All right, how we doing, everybody? It is 42820. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Trey Hayden is here for our weekly segment on ESPN's The Last Dance. Then Lexi Browning joins me for The Bachelors, Listen to Your Heart, Week 3. Before we start, our show is, of course, brought to you by O'Shea's Irish Pub. Carry out 3 to 9 all week at 956 Baxter Avenue. You can check out their daily specials at O'Shea'sLouisville.net. All right, let's get it going. All right, Trey. Epic two hours spent Sunday evening with the Last Dance documentary. Uh, we heard that it was going to be good. It's really, really, really good. Definitely, definitely. I was. I know that we have high expectations for this documentary, but they're definitely meeting them so far. Last night was awesome. Yep the la- the first two episodes we didn't really know how it was going to go. We loved them, and now after seeing three and four, we kind of understand how the show is going to be. It's it does jump around as people are saying, but it actually jumps around in a very calculated way that I think is really cool. It'll take like a player or a coach and it'll kind of go in chronological order of their life and basketball career and whether it's, you know, Phil Jackson playing and coaching or Dennis Rodman playing. And then they'll also take you through the entire Bulls run with MJ on their team, like slowly throughout the documentary as well. We got to see their battles with the bad boy Pistons where they kept losing. They eventually beat them. And we got to see the Lakers, Bulls, uh, finals in 1991 was my favorite part of uh, the episode uh sunday night but and then we also get 97 98 bulls the whole season the last dance kind of slowly so I, I think that it makes a lot of sense episodes three and four focus predominantly on rodman and phil jackson uh two very accomplished but also very interesting key parts of the bulls dynasty trey why don't you get us started and just tell me what stood out to you last night uh the, the, a couple of things stood out to me uh the first thing that stood out to me was one Dennis Rodman, epic lifestyle. And it's crazy. He was one of the, those first people that was like, I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to be myself type thing. Especially back then in that league, um, it was just different because you, you barely see – I mean, you see people that are outgoing and stuff, but you don't see people like Dennis Rodman even today in the league in 2020. So the fact that he was doing that in the 80s and 90s was crazy. And then the other thing that stood out to me was just the hatred between the Bulls and Detroit. And we're gonna, I know we're going to talk about that later. But I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. I know that they played each other multiple times, but to see that hate was it was uh it's pretty interesting to see. It was awesome to see it like kind of manifest in real time, uh, which we've never seen before, even from the Pistons Bad Boy documentaries, which is such a cool part of the story that like the Pistons actually defeated the Bulls in three series, and the Bulls only beat the Pistons once, once. Uh, w- when they matched up because you view the Bulls as such a dominant franchise, but. That's such a cool part of this to see how they got there, to watch the failure. And um, we've really never seen anybody like Dennis Rodman at any point. And what's really crazy is that he was one of the biggest stars in the world, and that's going on. Like he was a part of those bad boy Pistons teams playing against Pippen and Jordan before things kind of went off the rails for him. And then while he's on the Bulls, I mean, it's. It's, it would be like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant acting like that a couple years ago. Like it's it's impossible to really wrap your mind around. Like it would be so interesting to see Dennis Rodman dropped into the social media era. <laughs> it would be wild, especially. I mean, obviously he says some wild stuff and he posts things now, but to see him back in his prime in his twenties, thirties, um, just the way he was that we obviously see on video, 
it would be a crazy world if uh, Twitter was around back then. For him. It would. And this guy, I mean, he did some crazy things. He had some crazy hair. His hairdos. I mean, he had green hair. He had yellow hair. He had pink hair. The pink hair was my favorite. The hot pink, I thought that was kind of swaggy. The 33 hairdo that he did for Scotty when he yep. came back, that was the one I liked the least. Took me a while to figure out those were 33s. In a way, I felt like they looked like a bunch of different hairdos. Yeah, I thought it was a cheetah print. Like I thought he was trying to do like a cheetah head, and they're like, "No, those are threes for Scotty Pippen." I'm like, "All right." Cool. And you can kind of see it, you know, when you look for it, you can kind of see it. But some interesting hair, some interesting decisions. He was just, frankly, he lived differently than anybody else we've ever seen walk this planet. And I thought it was really cool how they focused on both sides, his personal life and on the court. And he says in there, like, "I wasn't going to let Michael down. I wasn't going to let the city down." And I thought that was such a cool quote because. Ever since Dennis Rodman left the NBA, I mean, he's had a relationship with the uh, North Korean dictator. He, he's he been one of the most polarizing characters that we've ever seen in the world of sports. And I, I really liked how they showed how Michael and Phil like totally understood how to manage his personality. Like to get the Definitely. most out of, to get the most out of people in sports or in a place of work, you have to challenge them while also believing in them. You have to be you have to enable them to be comfortable in their own shoes in times where pressure is prominent. And that is exactly how Phil Jackson, to the best of his ability, has managed every star he's ever had. And he's won a million championships because of it. Like the Rodman Vegas sabbatical was kind of the thing that everybody talked about last night. Yep. And it's like to think about that happening today, like what players over the history of time could walk into their coach's office and say, hey, I know we're in the middle of the season and we're looking for our third straight championship. And. I got to go to Vegas for a few days. And they're literally going to say, okay, because he's that much of a wild horse. That is absolutely insane. I don't, I couldn't see that happening for anybody in the league right now. I feel like even if LeBron were to say something like that, they'd probably just be like in the middle of the season. You're gonna I mean, go it to might Vegas. tarnish his career, you know, like, right. Seriously. His public perception forever. And uh, I just thought that was so crazy. And like Michael goes in there, that that part was so funny when they handed the phone and they let Dennis, Phil and Scotty watch Michael's retelling of that story. Yep. But, uh, I, the tweet was so funny where it was like, Michael Jordan, I've been carrying this team for 12 years, like Scotty Pippen, like I, I get no respect. Benny the Bull makes more than me. Phil Jackson, I'm the best coach in NBA history. I'm getting fired even if I go 82 and 0. And then it says, Dennis Rodman, I need a vacation. <laughs> for real though and it's just crazy to even think about especially like obviously what us looking at it at today's game that we feel, i feel like that would never happen uh but the fact that like kind of how you touched on phil was okay with the mj was okay with it until he had to go you know get him out of bed uh but the fact that his team and his uh, his the personnel around him and the people around him knew him well enough to know this is something that might is going to be positive for him and it's going to help him in the long run for their team that's one a hell of a connection between teammates and two that's a lot of trust to let your teammate in the middle of the season just go to Vegas for however many hours or how many days and come back and be ready to play. It's weird, you know, and, and maybe like that probably wasn't the best thing to kind of enable him to do in terms of like his long term life. But in terms of the short term success, the immediate success of the Chicago Bulls in 1998, that's exactly what they had or felt like they had to do. And it clearly worked. And they're, they're talking about how he finally gets back to practice. Jordan, they send Michael Jordan to go find him in Las Vegas. Michael Jordan, you know, probably doesn't do very well in Las Vegas. Or, or maybe he does sometimes. I don't know. He clearly he did say he had the Broncos in the 98 Super Bowl. Which he did. Was a great pick. I can't say that I was on the right or the wrong side of that Super Bowl. But the Rodman stuff was magnificent. They'll throw stuff in there that you like might miss. Like, oh, he was dating Madonna. 
Didn't really know that. Oh, he's wow. with Carmen Electra during this Vegas trip. Uh, didn't know that. Carmen Electra, she was pretty. Oh, no doubt. And the, cra- the craziest part for me, like obviously, I knew who she was and everybody knows who she was. I did not know at all that she dated Dennis Rodman. Yeah. That just seemed like an epic time in Vegas. I had no idea. And I want to know where that footage came from. Like, did the Last Dance film crew go to Vegas with Rodman and Carmen Electra? Because, I mean, they had footage seemingly of that. I don't know if that's bootlegs or what, but if they actually went, that is incredible. Not a great example for all the kids out there, him sipping his Miller Lite and then immediately operating that motorcycle. You know, you you all love to see that. But this was a this was just an odd guy. I mean, he's partying, wearing a public safety uniform and. I'm not really sure what he was doing, but I did read some stories about Carmen Electra and Dennis Rodman today. I'm sure you did as well. Uh, It looks like they used to have sexual intercourse on the Bulls practice court. Hey, I mean, he's got to go to work and he's still got to get it in, I guess. So he said, do it at work. It's just kind of weird to look back at all these things and be like, you know, that worked. That's a formula for success. Like that's how you just get the most out of guys. You let them do whatever they want. You're not always true, but oh man, it, it was something. But the coaching uh, transition uh, that they talked about, I really enjoyed. Kind of forgot slash, I guess maybe didn't even know that Doug Collins even coached the Bulls. Right. Um, I didn't really realize that he coached the Bulls too. I knew about the first coach when MJ got there, and then Phil. Um, so that in between time, I didn't really know Doug Collins. He was so perfect for that the bridge area. Like he was the one I think that at first got the most out of Michael Jordan. And I always respect a coach, even if it's not the best strategy. I respect the hell out of a coach that'll be like, you know what? None of you guys can score. All you guys are missing open shots. You're all useless. Get the ball. Get it to twenty three. I just I love coaches like that. Those are the ones that know what they have and that are trying to win. The Bulls just got better. You know, like the the rest of their roster got better after Phil Jackson got there too. And uh, it, it is cool that Michael bought into that higher level of success. Like he saw that the way he was playing, he's winning scoring titles. They're making it to the Final Four, but they're not winning the championship. He buys in. They get the ball out of his hands more. Pippen starts bringing the ball up the court. Phil Jackson, genius. You see, obviously, you see a ton of those coaches at all levels. You know you have a star. You know you have a, a, that go-to player. Their main focus is, a lot of times, getting the ball into the hands of their best player, which, I mean, obviously, it's a smart thing to do. If your best right. player is whatever he's going to score. But like you said, the fact that Michael Jordan, who at the time and even now, the biggest icon the sport's probably ever seen, the fact that he could say, you know what, yeah, am I the best player on this team? Of course. But do I need these other people to win? Absolutely. And the fact that he bought into that, I don't I don't think we see, obviously, the six championships and the two three-peats if he doesn't. But I think that it's awesome that Phil could bring that out of him and the rest of the team. And then, obviously, he's done it with other superstars. So I think it was like a match made in heaven when they did bring in Phil. I do, too. And I think that what Doug, Doug Collins did for that franchise, um, it, it can't be – undervalued uh, by anyone in the Bulls community. And I do think that if they let Doug Collins coach that team, they probably have a similar level of success. Like it's probably bound to happen with that guys, regardless, like not to take anything away from Phil Jackson, but I loved the um, in-depth dive to the Craig Elo shot, which is one of the MJ shots that even people our age have seen thousands of times. And just the entire series, like the way the media kind of fueled his fire his relationship with Doug Collins, how he had to like give him water during his first game, like 
the world's biggest superstar, a player giving a coach water. But I thought it was so cool how he like remembered the Chicago writers that said that they weren't going to make it. And then he obviously had a lot of, of uh, someone say bad words to uh, yep. d- tell them to go things to do to themselves, et cetera, to uh, describe that experience. But yep. Give Michael the ball and get the out of the way. It's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. I think it was awesome. And I think that, his transparency about how the media did fuel his fire. And I think something that a lot of players should do more. I mean, these days, like the one I know it's nothing against him, but the person that comes to mind for me is uh, Kevin Durant. You know, the media will have a lot of different things to say about him and he'll, he'll act like he doesn't care about anything that they're saying, but you can obviously tell that it gets to them. I feel like anybody that says they don't care about what other people are saying about them or writing, they're absolutely lying. And they should use that as a motivator. Obviously, Michael did, and it worked to uh, to his uh, it worked worked really well for him. Um, so I think for the Chicago Raptors saying that they weren't going to be there, and you know, he always talked about, and we heard it a couple times where he, they weren't saying that he was in the company yet of uh, Magic and Larry Bird. Um, that gave him a drive that obviously made him end up being the best ever. Yeah, you know, I can't see Michael Jordan having a burner account um at just any <laughs> point at any point in his life even if twitter was a thing back in the day but yeah uh great point i think that's kind of what we're actually seeing come to fruition in this documentary in the 98th season that's what episode four ends with like jerry Krause comes out and says you know if mj doesn't want to play for phil or if mj doesn't want to play for the next coach like it's not going to be phil so he'll be gone as well and now we're realizing like okay like it's happening phil jackson 100 gone we knew that scotty pippen for sure gone. He may not even play in this season for all we know. Yeah, he obviously right. now, but now right. we know like the last thing we see is that Michael Jordan, like that this is the last dance that he finally, like he answers all the media's questions. So vague. And I love his answers. You know, he, yeah. I don't know. You know like w- we'll see who knows like what happens happens. And then you see the end where he finally is like, yeah, okay. Like I won't be back. And then they have that big lead on the jazz jazz come back and beat them. That's kind of exactly what's going on. Like the media is, hyping him up more i think and exactly like that's just not how most people react to it today they just they get mad yep they get mad and they tweet about it versus get mad and go score 40 points exactly and i mean don't get me wrong obviously i like twitter i'm on twitter a lot and you know people post people complain on twitter a lot whatever um but like you said that's i think the biggest difference these days and there's still people that you know when somebody makes says something about them negatively they use that for motivation and they still do what they need to do, but you don't see it anywhere near as much as back in the nineties and in the other days. Absolutely. And to, again, to kind of look at some other differences between that era of basketball and the one we currently used to live in before the global pandemic. Um, it, it, it's like you're watching these Pistons clips and we we're going to examine this like hatred that still exists between the Bulls and the Pistons but you're watching these clips and you got like a guy about to take like a seven foot mid-range jump shot like he's not trying to do any harm he's getting paid to play basketball and he just right. gets, like tackled like stuck by three dudes and you're watching these Pistons players and they're like yeah you know people people paid they, they came to see us fight and it's like so hard to imagine that like if any of those plays happen in today's NBA players are getting suspended for 30 games Easily. It, it, it was absolutely wild. And I've seen other like documentaries and things with the bad boys and stuff. And you see some of these plays, but just to think about those plays compared to today's game, one, 90% of those fouls, fouls that started fights in the documentary, those were just common fouls. Half the time they weren't even called a flagrant, which is crazy. But then if you 
those would easily be flagrant twos in today's game. Gone. Um, Won't see him for yeah, like exactly. So it was just crazy to watch that that uh, style or brand of basketball. And obviously, it's it's an interesting and stuff, and you want to watch it. And we sh- it really did show that the '90s were a lot more mentally and physically tougher to play the game than it is today. Um, it was just wild. I couldn't believe like some of these fouls on layups that were. I get not letting them get the ball up, but there were some hard fouls. It was tough, and you know the the animosity that still exists between the Bulls and Pistons. That was a big story last night. Everybody really loves that. I think it's cool how the the world can unite around hatred. You know, it's it's rare. Like people think hatred's cool. Now, hatred, it's back. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that. But like, of course, they hate each other. You know, like yeah. you don't do that to another man in a situation where you technically didn't really have to, and right. you're ever friends with them again. Let or, or you know, ever friends with them in the first place. But let alone if you do that to him you know, hundreds, hundreds of times over regular over and over and over. Yep. Like, of course, those guys hate each other. Like they're, they're never going to be friends. And Isaiah Thomas, he was on first take today and he was like, oh, they, they these guys like they, they were never going to beat us until they got in the weight room and, and got in shape. And I, I guess they want to be commended for that. You know, like he'll still make comments like that today in 2020. And Isaiah Thomas, like, you know, a Everybody's a Michael Jordan fan right now, but respect to the guy. He's a six foot one point guard that eliminated Magic, Larry, and Michael in playoff series throughout his career. Two time NBA champion. He was pretty good yeah. too. Oh, no doubt. And I think, and I feel like he's talked about it before too. Maybe some other people from the Bad Boys teams, but I feel like him along with the rest of those teams, they kind of get you know undervalued um, when it comes to you know the NBA and stuff. And he talked about a lot of it being because you know obviously Michael was coming up. He was the poster child for the NBA. Um, so I think they don't get as much credit as they deserve for those teams, the two the two back-to-back champions or whatever. But um, I just love that they do have this animosity between each other. You know, Detroit and Chicago, not very far away from each other, two Midwest cities that have both have the reputation for hard-nosed, blue-collar cities. Um, and this, this time they had two of the best teams in basketball. Um, and – Obviously, the first two times the uh, the bad boys got the Bulls, and I loved how kind of what you said that Isaiah said until they got in the weight room, until they got in shape, they weren't what nothing was, or excuse me, nothing was going to change. And then I loved how they showed, you know, Jordan took that straight to the heart, and he got the rest of his team in the weight room, got them all in condition, and they just come back for you know just uh, just to come back in re- redemption i guess so to yeah. speak. and the pistons i mean you know they're getting older the bulls are getting better as as that's going on too so that is also like it's an excuse but it's a reasonable one for the pistons to have but we start to you know we're getting to watch no real basketball while this is going on and we are watching this style of basketball and i think the biggest difference between the two eras is is depth like mj had a quote that's all over the internet where he talks about how you know Dennis gets thrown out of the game and he leaves him out there by himself and he's mad and uh you see these pictures of all these lineups that LeBron's played with in his career and I, I'm gonna leave out the 09 LeBron Cavs team because like god damn <laughs> you know like Larry Hughes Ilgauskas couple good players but like the bench was still 90s basketball bench it's remarkable when you look at like the depth that a current basketball team has maybe an eight seat from like their fourth best player to their 11th man. And you compare it to any of like the championship championship teams in the nineties. Like that, that's the biggest difference is difference is the depth. I think 
most of these stars we're seeing from the 90s could come into today's NBA, adapt and be unbelievable. Uh, Michael Jordan would be an unbelievable three point shooter if he just knew it mattered more like we know. Now. Right. And but there are a lot of guys that just played the 90s that just they, they wouldn't be in the league today, you know, and, and I think. MJ no, being left out there alone is is just more drastic than LeBron being left out there with George Hill. You know, I mean, it, LeBron just had guys that were capable of scoring and making shots. We saw what MJ was left with when Rodman and Pippen were out there. Right, right. I definitely agree with that. And I, I know we've talked about it before, I think last week with the, the whole LeBron-Jordan debate. That is one thing that I will say, like, you're right. Like, when you, yeah, LeBron's teams, there's been times where he hasn't had great people. But if you look at it from a holistic standpoint, He's played with a lot of good players compared to some of the team, other people besides Rodman and Pippen yeah. for Jordan. And not to discount what LeBron's done because it's incredible. Like he, LeBron no, no very well be the, the best player of all time. And when you look at his Cavs roster compared to the Warriors roster, like obviously the Warriors were at an extreme advantage almost every season. But it, it's, it's really interesting. And I also don't like the idea that like rivalries are dead in the NBA necessarily because I, I do yeah. still think they – totally exists like i don't think russell westbrook and kevin durant are ever not going to hate each other we've seen this james harden Giannis thing develop over the last two or three seasons we know that lebron and steph curry are not friends we've watched these series we've never really seen them hang out or be boys with each other like it does exist it may not be as common like there may not be fights every night but there's still guys that hate each other in our league today oh no doubt and i think you need that i think that's always going to be the case as long as you have people that are truly competing like there's going to be people that you do not like. There's going to be people that you hate. And that just comes with the territory of being a competitor in sports. That's okay. I mean, hey, hatred is uh, is awesome in sports. I truly believe that. Uh, I agree. I saw Austin's tweet the other night, and I thought it was really accurate how people used to watch basketball without scores or time on TV the whole time. Like they just had to guess. And um, I just think that that is like, like whoever came up with the permanent scoreboard what a genius. What a genius. I agree. I couldn't imagine. Like, and yeah, maybe you get lost in the game and you get lost in the art of basketball, or whatever. But like, if you don't know what the situation is and how much time's left on the clock, I feel like you're just watching a pickup game, which I mean, it's fine, but that's not what you watch the NBA for. If, if this happened today, we could handle it because we could get on our phones and we could get on an app and we could see what the score and the time of the game is, you know? But like, what, what did people do back then? They just waited. Okay. Yeah, wait till the next commercial break. Maybe they maybe pop up the score or something. Yeah, it makes no sense. There's a lot of room on your picture, and it's it's been proven over the last you know twenty years of sports that there is enough room on your picture for a scoreboard. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy that they even had to go through that. Like you said, if it was today, we just hop on the scores app or the ESPN app, and no problem. But um, I can't imagine what they did back then. It's uh, it, it's that that is one of the most mind blowing things about this for me. And he he tweeted yesterday, pointed it out. I was like, yeah, that's uh, I've never never understood that, not even for a second. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to bring up about the last dance week two? No, man. I mean, like I said, I think it's now that we kind of have an idea of how it's going to be put together for the next couple of episodes. Um, it's ex- I'm just more excited to watch next week and to continue to watch it and rewatch back episodes one through four. Um, it's been good. I mean, definitely met expectations. It has, and so many people are watching it that are basketball fans that aren't basketball fans. It It's nice to have something to look forward to. It's been terrific. I think it's only going to get better from here. I, I really didn't want it to end. That was kind of the common theme last night. It's like, okay, now maybe we don't like this 
two episode thing a night as much because we just have to see what happens. But I right. love the way they left it. Like this is these are things that have already happened in the history of time and they still can find a way to like give you a little bit of a cliffhanger. It's impressive. Yeah, I agree. That that is very very well done the way they do that. So it does keep you ready for the next week. That's for sure. It does. Trey, do you have anything you like to talk to me about in your in your life? Uh how are you holding up with this quarantine, man? It's it's killing me working from home every single day. Uh, it was nice to have the draft this weekend. One hundred percent, something to watch on TV. Uh, Outer Banks, the TV show, um, just started it. Uh, off your recommendation. Yep, got a straight nine-hour shift in with that bad boy. Finished it all once. Um, absolutely incredible. Uh, has made my life so much better than it would have been without Outer Banks. So, yeah, everything's fine. You know, just hoping this uh, this this thing's over soon so I can. Go uh, do some stuff that's actually fun. You and me both, man. I'm hoping this is over. My birthday's around Memorial Day weekend. I'm hoping this is over by then so we can maybe either go bowling or go to O'Shea's, you know, something. Something outside of the house. Bowling. Yes, yeah, so we we are eventually going to do that again. Things things will be okay. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. We just uh, don't know when we're getting there. It's poetic, you know. I, I couldn't put it better myself. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, on that note... I'm going to go watch, listen to your heart. Got to record right after the show tonight. So, you know, I got to be all locked in, taking notes. All right, man, lock in. Uh, let me know how that show is going, and uh, we'll definitely talk next week. It's not bad. I'm actually looking forward to it. That should show everybody where I'm at. All right, Trey, <laughs> this was a pleasure. TTYL. Right, Lexi, listen to your heart. Week three, performance week. What'd you think? Pretty good. Pretty good. But also, now we finally find out how important the music aspect is on things. And I'm really like not happy with how it went. What about you? I actually loved how the music aspect works into the show. I think that it fully legitimizes the process that they're trying to put together with uh, the show. I don't think it was easy. I don't think it's perfect, but I love how it matters how they sound up there. I'm so glad that two people can't stand up there and just be terrible musicians and move on just because they're in love. There has to be a little bit of both, but I will say everybody was pretty good tonight. The music, the performances. My favorite of the night, I'm going to give it to Rudy and Matt. I mean, Who's your favorite? Weren't they so good out of nowhere? I mean, they Rudy just is absolutely horrible. I know you like her, but I mean that that just shows like these people are on the show for a reason. I was kind of wondering last week why is Natasha here? I think she's here to create chaos. Turns out she's, you know, like freaking Rihanna, you know, of course. But I thought Rudy was great up there. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot about Natasha for a minute. She might be the favorite now. She was fire. Um, well, we're going to get into it. I'm actually going to have you give all the performances one to 10 grades here in a minute. But uh, let's start with the beginning of the episode. So the first 30 minutes, we kind of just had an assortment of relationship downfalls and developments with uh, all the different couples. My favorite part was definitely at the beginning where Gabe, who um, I just realized was on the show, pulls up from downtown, just hasn't talked to Savannah throughout the show. And he's thinking, you know, it's pretty clear. It's pretty apparent that Savannah is the hottest girl here. 
and I'm going to go shoot my shot with her. I'm going to go pull up from 44, and it's ill-advised, and everybody knows it. And if I miss, I'm just going to tip cap, forfeit match. And that's exactly what I did, and I just respect the hell out of that. That guy knew what he wanted. If he couldn't have it, he was fine with not being on ABC anymore. So props to you, Gabe. Huge L. Yeah, she immediately turned him down. Immediately went home. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I also noticed in the beginning that Chris Harrison absolutely hates these people. Uh, I think Chris Harrison is used to a certain type of show, and this is not it. And you could just tell in his tone when he gathers them up or when he tells them they're about to do something that he's just kind of like, this is what they got me doing now. And I, I I don't think it helps. For a minute there, I thought Chris Harrison was going to individually give out and like pin the roses on these people himself. Uh, me too. I, I hoped that it went that way, but I do like how he, you know, how the love aspect part of it kind of matters too, because they have to do their little part with the roses as well. Yeah, I guess like they're just acting like the two are like mutually exclusive. Like if you don't have chemistry on stage, then you don't have chemistry in life. Go home. Probably not entirely true, but I guess for what we're trying to do on Monday nights at 8 o'clock, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's sort of like, I don't know. This is why I was kind of unhappy with it. It just seemed like it's like, who can be the best like duo? Are they getting a record deal together now? So now if you like ever wanted to be a solo artist, like no, now you and your hopefully life partner are just going to like take this on together as a unit. Well, see, yeah, it's all very flawed when you when you go so in depth there and you, you start looking at the actualities of what's going to happen after the show. And the show is very flawed when you do it that way. But when you take just what they pitch to you, it's not bad. I mean, uh, I'm going to try to hop on board with this. Before we get into the performances, which was obviously my favorite part of the episode, let's do the um, love triangle Kind of a square, you know, who knows? We got Julia and Savannah. They both love Brandon. And then we got poor Sheridan. My man. Sheridan, an incredibly talented musician and just seemingly a down-to-earth guy. He, he did ride there in the trunk of a Subaru. But, I mean, he, he's just a good dude, and he's getting screwed so bad. Very tough to see. No, and I think that Julia looks horrible. She's definitely the character that has looked the worst on the show so far. Uh, Hannah Brown even tweeted negatively about her during the show tonight. So nice to know that she's watching and uh, also nice to know that she hates Julia as well as the rest of the world. But she's she's pretty terrible. Her only purpose in the first half of the episode was just to sit there and kind of listen to Savannah and Brandon sing I Want You to Want Me and uh, just give disgusted facial expressions. (laughs) <laughs> no, like the judges were giving criticism and she's like nodding her head along so eagerly. I was like, dude, please try to hide your emotions a little bit. Yeah. Just it, a little bit. Have some composure. She couldn't do it. She may have told that story about how Brandon told her that he might want to figure things out with her six times. <laughs> yeah. That was essentially a proposal. And then she was like, it's kind of ironic that they use the word genuine for Sheridan and I, I was like, so you admit it is ironic, but she meant it like in a totally different context. I don't know. It was crazy. Her and Sheridan do not look good together, but somehow completely sold that performance as if they were like blissfully in love. 
the Julia Savannah conversation was so weird because Julia and Savannah had at least double digit times, each of them shown or admitted on camera that they each had feelings for Brandon and Savannah just absolutely like 2008 little Wayne just kills Julia in this battle. She's like, why are you worried about me? Why are you worried about my relationship? Like why, why is my happiness something that's going to send you home? And Julia's like, Oh, well I don't even have feelings for Brandon actually. It's like, well, why is this conversation happening then? Yeah, she looks so terrible. She's like, well, why is this affecting you? And she's like, because it's just not genuine. It's like, no, it's affecting you because you are being a jealous. Yep, it's obviously in no way your place to judge. If something's going on with her and Brandon actually going on, then that's very reasonable. But I don't. there just wasn't in week three. And Julia wanted there to be so bad. And that's what makes the whole thing just so tough for Sheridan. Yeah, they were like... Her and Sheridan were practicing their song, and she was just, like, side-eyeing Brandon and Savannah the whole time, like, seething with jealousy. It's hard to watch at times. But now it's time to uh, walk back some things that I may have said last week about Natasha, possibly not being musically talented. Um, You know, they show you their careers under their name. And I probably should have called out somebody like Danny, who has a celebrity impersonator. As a description for himself, maybe not somebody like Natasha, who has pop singer under her name. She was magnificent. Absolutely captivating up there. Radiant. Yeah, I texted you immediately like, oh, man, I've I've really got this one wrong. I was so nervous for her to sing. And I was like, damn, she's going to sing like three times and it's going to be great every time. And they're going to sing Rihanna, Mickey Echo, Stay, like the probably the best, coolest song that I saw performed because it's like actually a duet. They did a lot of songs that weren't necessarily a duet up there and that one was just like you want to sit outside in the rain for a little bit after it It was so good (laughs) it was very very good yeah she sold me on it and i liked how um chris lane straight up said oh sean mendez to our boy ryan so i'm glad the world sees it the way we do yeah, we could take some credit for that, but it's just too obvious. You know, it's like calling the sky blue. I mean, that dude is just Mendez. Yeah, no um, doubt about it. But it's performance time at 9.10. 50 minutes left. TikTok, Kesha's in the house. Jason Mraz is in the house. And just like him, I'm not going to give up on this show. Jason Mraz is here, and he's wearing his hat. I was shocked. Now, do you think that this cast of judges... That also included Bachelor Nation alum, Aaron Rodgers' brother, who hates that I referred to him that way. Do you think these judges were their first choices? Yeah, probably. You think so? You think they thought, I got to get Kesha, and I need Jason Mraz, and if I get JoJo and Jordan Rodgers, we have Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart. Probably. It seems like a standard guest choice for them to me. And Jason Mraz... I did laugh when he came out because it just seemed so incredibly random. But I'm yours bangs so hard that I will never disrespect him or his name. Like they, we are honored that they used Jason Mraz and Kesha is a big name and her connection with Jamie was probably stronger than Jamie's connection with Trevor. Uh, I absolutely agree with that. I thought that they were the only Trevor and Jamie were the only legitimate threat to maybe go home before their performance outside of Becca and Danny, who were obviously going home. 
the rose ceremony was exciting because we found out it was going to be different, but it wasn't exciting in the sense that we absolutely knew Becca and Danny were going home. They had, they were nowhere near any of the other couples. No, not at all. We all saw that coming and they tried to drag it out like, Oh, maybe Savannah and Brandon are going to go home. No, we all knew. And they were hard. Like the judges were hard on them, I guess. But yeah, I, I like the judges. I just thought it was such like a random ensemble of, people i thought that they probably definitely shot their shot and missed it maybe 50 to 100 celebrities before they settled on this cast of members to judge these people but yeah jason Mraz looking great out there i'm yours great song of the remedy i mean you're riding around on a, on a july afternoon and you got i won't worry my life away on i mean it's it's tough to have problems no you said it let's go through these performances uh you're gonna rate them one to ten so we got rudy and matt rudy She's worried about not knowing the lyrics to start off. So I'm thinking, okay, Rudy, she sucks. She doesn't know the lyrics. This one's going to be bad. It's going to be a bad performance. That's why they're putting it first. I mean, it was incredible. They sounded great up there. I'm giving it an eight. And the only reason I'm giving it an eight is because Rudy's facial expressions are just awful. They're so cringeworthy. Like, I still know it's her up there. So it's an eight. What do you think? I kind of agree with that assessment. And I think her voice is spectacular. Yes. But whenever I'm thinking about like the couple who I want to like win this thing, I want it to be someone who I enjoy watching and I don't like ever want to be like, oh, <laughs> like turn away a little bit. You know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah, I like that score in eight. Yeah, because good. the performance was good, but still it's it's Rudy and Matt. So we can't get too carried away. So next we have Bree and Chris. Need I say more? This was a 10. This guy, Chris, I mean, he's like Seal up there. No, I wasn't feeling this. And oh, I really have what? no reasoning for that. Like, they are a great couple and they're very cute. They're probably one of the stronger couples out there. But I don't know what it is about them. Like, I think it's her. I think it's like her facial expressions that hit me wrong that I'm like, I definitely feel like cringy watching them for sure so i would probably give them like a five i uh completely disagree i think you're being a little shallow here i think you are really just kind of attacking Bree's gums because this is the only thing wrong <laughs> with, with this couple it's it's the only thing chris is magnificent up there i mean chris delivered that first line and the cast of judges all rose to their feet they couldn't believe what they were listening to and Bree just kind of like weathers the storm like she's really solid she compliments him well and i thought their performance was unique and cool because like chris was the star a lot of the other guys kind of just let the girl shine and for better or worse you know they, they got where they got but chris i mean damn it, it's either chris or natasha in terms of who's the most talented and i'm obviously cheering for chris given that i thought natasha wasn't talented at all Okay, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Sounds good. That's a 10 from me. So now we have Becca and Danny. Uh, this is the dude who is a celebrity impersonator and uh, has zero connection with Becca. We saw this earlier in the episode. Um, you know, we, we knew this was going to be tough. They performed Ho Hey. Yeah, it's like a three for me. Yeah, no, I'll give her like, I'll give it a four. Taylor Swift once covered Ho Hey, so I do remember that the Red Tour. Yeah, yeah, that did happen. But good song, not a good performance. Didn't really like Danny. Really, really didn't like Becca. Thought she was just terrible. Thought they got way too much camera time this episode. Happy to see him go. Yep, me too. Savannah and Brandon. Now these two, 
We saw it. They got to practice so much more than the other couples. Why do you say that? I mean, we heard them practicing it 10 times because they would have to show Julia and Sheridan being openly disgusted listening to them practice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all true. <laughs> I don't know. I think they were all performing the same amount of time. They were just showing <laughs> extra footage of Julia being super pissed off. It's probably it's probably right. But I thought that for how much time they had to practice in my eyes, I thought it could have been better. I'm going to give them a five. The judges also didn't love it. I just didn't like the song as much, you know? Yeah, and I think I previously said that I was disappointed in Savannah's talent and hearing her more, she's definitely better than I was giving her credit for. So I'll give her a six. Yep, and I'll, you know, I'll take it easy on you there because they're, they're kind of all better than we were going to give them credit for. In between, we have Julia, who is seriously happier than she was for the birth of her first child that the judges didn't think Savannah and Brandon meshed well. I thought she was going to rush the stage. <laughs> I don't know what to even say about that performance because it was great, but I just sort of am like, I don't know if this lady is a genius or a psychopath or both. If everyone's just wrong on their perception of this, but yeah, she got great reviews. No, well, Julia, she was an incredible performer. She sounded great. Sheridan was great. Their performance was just awesome. And that's, clearly like the flawed part of the show and i'm kind of glad that that exists because i think that actually makes it very realistic that two people can put out an awesome song and sound great performing together but also have like zero sort of relationship foundation and that is exactly sheridan and julia i just i, I called julia a psychopath via text during the show and the reason i did that is simply because it's very clear she loves Brandon more than anybody else that has appeared on this television show so far. And she blatantly denied it on the same show. No, she looks really bad. I think she's getting a pretty bad edit. She's probably um, getting some hate on social media, if I had to guess. Uh, yeah, she definitely is. But I'm going to give them an eight. And they were really good. The reason they're getting an eight is because of the facial expressions. I mean, Julia's facial expressions are so bad. They're cringeworthy. They make me turn away. And it's an eight. Hmm. I think she's probably one of the most talented ones out there, though. I believe you. And Sheridan's really good, too. I think he just holds it down really well. So I, I'll give him a seven. I like it. Now, next, this one was obviously tough, and I knew it was coming. We'd seen Natasha get some practice work in, so I knew she was. She probably heard what I said last week. <laughs> okay, here we go. So she goes up there, her and Ryan. They sing Stay. By Rihanna. 10. It's yep. a 10. She's uh, a star. I have a nine, and it's not, and it's not because I'm salty about how wrong my prediction was. It's because the ending was so weird where they were just like saying stay off key a bunch to stay, each other. Stay. Okay, yeah. The the first time. I that thought I you were gonna that, come in with me at least. Oh no, no chance. I already watched that and I just didn't enjoy the ending very much. I thought they kind of tarnished what might have been the rarely seen eleven score. I thought it was like passionate. It was like, should we make out? It was some of that real life Camila Sean Mendez. Oh, oh, here we are. Stay, stay. Oh, thank God. I was just hoping that we could talk about Camila and Sean Mendez performing together some more. Cause I don't think I've ever seen that. Have they ever performed like Senorita on a on a show before? 
Yeah, yeah. You should just pull that up on YouTube. <laughs> There's a few different versions you could yeah. go see, but they're all the same. Yeah, I've seen 70 of them. I just, uh, I, I could do without it from now on. But do you, do you have anything else on the performances? Oh, hmm. we have one more. We have one more. We have Jamie and we have Trevor. How could we forget? I'm not really sure. What do you think of Jamie and Trevor? Um, she was super, super nervous. They saved them for last just to like build it up because it, like, is she going to collapse on the ground? Can she really not do this? What, how's this going to go? And to be honest, when they got out there, I was like, this is a little shaky. And I was like on my toes being like, is this good? I'm not really sure. And then at the end, whenever she said, I couldn't do this without you, I was crying. And you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I did cry, but that honestly doesn't hold any water about how I feel about this because, like, I just cry all the time randomly at TV shows. But anyways, I was like, oh, that is so sweet. And it was like, I don't know if they're the best musically or even have the strongest relationship with one another. But I think Jamie is just like America's little sweetheart right now. Like everything she does, people are just like, oh, little Jimmy Jam. <laughs> I wish I didn't say that. Can we cut that out? Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. Uh, I'll see how it sounds and see if we can make it work without that. I thought you delivered that line great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But yeah, Trevor, Jamie, they get a, they get a five, you know. And I think they're okay. I just don't think they're on the same level as anyone left. Yeah, I guess they played it perfectly to the judges. It's like you just have to have the perfect commentary to be like, no, listen, we are the cutest together. And then they're like, oh, my God, yeah. your connection. Kesha was just up. I mean, their love was arguably her drug. <laughs> it very well could be it was an emotional roller coaster tonight and i think it was the obvious decision for the judges to send home the people that no one connected with like even when they did get the date tonight we still weren't like emotionally invested into this relationship now i'm just asking you would you rather see brandon end up with savannah or um julia uh, I'd like to see Brandon take a walk. I'd like to see him end up with nobody. The comment he made after he got one rose on Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart, where he's like, yeah, you know, I got a rose, and I appreciate that. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunity to get a rose. But, you know, there's still a lot out there for me. Uh, we we'll see. He sounds like a, like a free agent star NFL quarterback, and it's like, hey, Relax, dude. The judges thought you were the worst of anybody else that's remaining on the show. So, like, let's pump the brakes. Cool guy. I get that Savannah, super hot, wants to be with you. Julia, super not, wants to be with you. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just, I really don't like him. I, I would like to see him end up with no one. And I truly think that that is uh, probably the path that he is headed down. Okay, yeah, I can see that happening somewhere down the line. And I do see where you're coming from. He does come off as like pretty arrogant, cocky, like a little bit of a douchebag. When Sheridan was like giving Julia her rose and he was like eye rolling and stuff, it's like, OK, Brandon, I could see him becoming just as big of like a villain, like developing online hatred as Julia has because he's doing the same thing by making that facial expression right there. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Underrated comment right there. Hey, thanks. You know, I'm really into this show. I couldn't wait for it today. 
Good, yeah, I think it's pretty good too. But overall, show comments, um, I thought it was insane that Chris Harrison laid down the hammer on episode three, as in being like, hey, if you're not committed, get out. I was like, hold up. How many episodes is this? Like, are, are we wrapping up the season already? Is it fantasy suites? See, there's only six. And tonight, I mean, it feels like you and I just started doing this, but it's halftime. Oh, my God. There's only six? There's only six weeks. Yeah. And that that was like that also went into like me thinking like, oh, yeah, me and Lexi can do this every week because it's literally just six, six weeks. It's not like it's some gigantic commitment where we're watching some show for four months. I mean, it, it's going to be over soon. Wow, that's kind of sad. Yeah, I saw that That spoilers are out there. And I'm telling you, man, if somebody spoils, listen to your heart for me, I'm going to be, I can't handle that, you know? Your face looks like you might already know something. No, I swear. I swear I do not know. I just, I searched listen to your heart because I went to get a drink and I missed who JoJo and Jordan Rogers were. You know, I didn't immediately recognize them. I obviously knew who Kesha and Jason Mraz were, but I was Twitter searching listen to your heart to try to find out all the judges' names just in case you didn't know, which I felt like had a, you know, complete coin flip. And, um, the first thing I saw was like, listen to your heart spoilers, like find out the winning couple and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, stay away. So I just threw my phone onto the street. Okay. Yeah. Good call. No more looking things up. Like you just have to go in blind if you miss it. Too bad. Uh, no, I'm not doing that. I like to be prepared. But, uh, you know, the ending, we finally figured out how the show works. The judges are involved in sending the couples home, but also love matters too. Like we talked about, it's flawed, but it, it's not that bad. I I think that the music has to matter a little bit or just it shouldn't be a show. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like the Bachelor franchise as a whole is definitely a flawed process. But for some reason, like it just is more acceptable because it exists longer, I guess, in the main show. So now I guess I just have to realize the show that we're coming into if it does get renewed for another season, then we'll know what we're getting. Yeah, and I I hope it does. I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool. Like, I actually heavily respected the fact that everybody went up there and sounded like they were professional musicians tonight outside of maybe one couple. And I was wondering how that was going to go. Like, it probably took them a while to find these people, people of all different genres and and build this cast who, while they may not be the most interesting reality TV cast we've ever seen, they, they might even be damn near dead last. They're pretty good at music. Should we go to the tour for whoever wins? Oh, man, I, I mean, I doubt it. We, we're not allowed to go anywhere. So, I mean, it, to say that we would go to that, I mean, that's just. Yeah, you're right. I kind of forgot for just a minute. After these 45 days, I still forget. Yeah. That I'm locked in this house. Sorry. Hate to remind you there. I should have just went with it and said, yes, of course, we're going to the Listen to Your Heart Championship Tour. Regardless of who wins, you'd go? I mean, you'd have to be a fool to think Chris and Bree don't win this thing. <laughs> I mean, you have to be crazy. I'm, I'm all on board. Chris and Bree. I honestly, that's the one couple where I'd be like, come on. Yeah, I mean, you're crazy. You're <laughs> I don't so know. Maybe I got to give them some time to grow on me. Oh, Maybe I'll regret man. this. It's highly likely. It's because you It's because you didn't like the Guitar Center date, you know? You're just not 
You're not as in tune with your musical abilities as other people that are speaking on this podcast. Yeah. Was it Brie where they were like, let me ask, were you in love with him or were you in love with the crowd? It's like, what kind of commentary is that? Like, she's performing. <laughs> is she not supposed to be performing for a crowd? Yeah. Like, hey, here, here's a here's a plot twist. She likes both. <laughs> yeah. God <Possible>. forbid. <laughs> Hold on, Brie. Were you enjoying yourself and smiling were you, as if people were watching yeah like do you think that the crowd might make stuff better they're, they're actually having a lot of debates about that about whether they can Did start sports back up you were kickstarting your music career on national television oh man that you know the, the toughest line of the show for me is you know after i after i say what i said about natasha you know possibly not being talented you know jason Mraz is commentating on her performance and he's like you know ryan the one thing I'd worried about her is that she might be gone. And I'm not talking about leaving you in the relationship. I'm talking about gone like Hollywood, like big time star, top of the billboard charts tomorrow. Not sure why she's here. This isn't big enough for her. Stay. Please stop. It's giving me nightmares. I just wanted her to sound, you know, I don't know. I hate to say that I was hoping somebody didn't sound good, but I was definitely hoping Natasha didn't sound like that. Well, you could have had a little bit more faith in the Bachelor producers. These people are legitimate. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, that's on me. I'm still learning. Uh, yeah, Natasha, the voice of an angel. Not much for me. Pop star. Yeah, pop star. Confirmed. Career. The preview. It looks like we're going to have a lot of Sheridan, Julia, Brandon, Savannah drama. Man, I'm really getting these names down. <laughs> that feels great. But it looks like those four, you know, we're going to. We're going to have some drama, which we know is coming. There's only six weeks, so we don't have time to beat around the bush like we did with uh, Mr. Peter Weber. But it looks like there's performances again next week, which I really like. All right. My hopes for the future, Sheridan, I hope you leave on your own and just like kind of duck on Julia and pwn her a little bit. Love that. Love that. I just use the word pwn, and I don't think I've ever said that like in my life. You never, I don't know if I used it correctly. Uh, yeah, I think I heard Pat say that in like 2005 once, but uh, not since. So, yeah, that was different for me, too. I was wondering if you were going to like clarify that you just did that. Yep. Good. Yeah. This is one of our uh, yeah, cool verb. worst episodes now. No, I mean, it's fine. I'm sure some people actually probably start using that in their everyday life. I'm going to pwn... Never That's enough. It's, it's it was already enough a while ago. Can't imagine any of that makes it in there. Uh yeah, but I'm excited about the performances. I can't wait to see who goes home. I'd say that um Trevor and Jamie are my favorite to go home unless I I can see your Sheridan theory coming to fruition. As soon as I hope up. that does happen, but I don't know. I don't know. They sold their performance so well. I know. And also, I think that Jamie and Trevor are like favorites to win, not favorites to go home. Mm, they okay. got the very first rows. They got the best response. They're flourishing. They could win it all. Yeah. And tonight, you know, it kind of made you think like, oh, man, maybe they're at an extreme disadvantage based on their lack of talent. But you think they're just going to win the show. <laughs> You think they have a lack of talent compared to the others? Uh, absolutely, yes. And that one I feel okay about because I saw it. You know, that's not a guess like the Natasha thing. I saw it. I saw everybody get up there tonight. And, uh, 
Yeah, Jamie is not Natasha. Let me tell you, Trevor, Trevor can't even have dreams about being Chris. <laughs> okay. I mean, I respect that take and I do agree with it, but I feel like they've just had so much camera time that like that is the relationship that people are probably like most invested in right now. That's a really like smart veteran way of looking at it. You know, like you've seen a lot of Bachelor content and you're picking up on stuff like that. And I'm not, you know, I'm unless I have it spoiled for me, I'm always going to be shocked at the end. I have no idea what I'm in for, as you can tell. So we'll see how it plays out. You're saying Bree and Chris is your pick to win. Absolutely. I am going to say Ryan and Natasha are my pick to win. Would you be cool with Natasha and Ryan winning, even though like we haven't really seen them on like an emotional level? I'm still I'm still all about Chris and Bree in terms of that, because we've kind of seen that like they've they've already had like real conversations where Bree's like, yeah, Chris, you know, I almost got married. But then after I bought my wedding dress, you know, the dude was like, yeah, I'm out. And I think the fact that they're already there, like, you know, Ryan and Natasha are nowhere near that. But they did have a great performance. But we just had to remember, like, so did Sheridan and Julia. And I think that one stands out a lot after tonight. But also, like, Natasha and Ryan, very similar boat. Natasha and Ryan, though, did have seemingly an awesome time at the Chris Lane concert. So maybe they actually developed some sort of actual, like, relationship there. Okay. So I, yeah, I'm with you on all of that. I'd be I'd be fine with um, either of those two couples winning it. I'm, I'm cheering for Chris and Bree, but Natasha and Mendez were incredible. So no harm done there. Let's go, Mendez. Let's go. Bring Mendez. it home. Should we bet on this? Uh, I can't imagine you can. Uh, since I saw a spoiler article, and uh, I mean, it's very possible that me and you and maybe twelve other people are watching the show. So I don't, I don't think I don't think we can bet on it. What if you and I bet on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm down. If, if you're going to pick anybody that's not Chris or Bree, I would love to place a wager on it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of scared to spend money, so. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, you don't have to. I It would just be throwing it in the trash and setting it on fire. But instead, you'd be giving it to me because clearly Chris and Bree are just the breadwinners of this uh, excursion. We'll see. Is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. TTYL. Okay.